0: Bringing you the truth behind the news. Welcome to The New American.
1: Welcome, everyone. I'm Paul Dragoon. We're glad you can join us. Here at The New American, we take the most important news stories, we strip off the propaganda, and we bring you the truth. And because of that, we are one of the most censored publications in America. So if you enjoy the show, please share these episodes with others. Now, In yet another round of military escalation, the U.S.-led forces hit Houthi bases in Yemen over the weekend. Also, Taiwan just elected Michael Lai, someone not approved by China for president. We're going to discuss those stories, and during our action segment, we'll be talking about the anti-agenda 2030 law going into effect in Tennessee. But first, it's beyond obvious that the federal government is intentionally facilitating the southern border invasion. So last week, Texas finally banned the feds from the scene of the crime. Well, at least one scene of the crime. Texas state officials began blocking federal US border patrol agents from a public area in the border town of Eagle Pass, a popular crossing point for migrants. Federal officials say the Texas National Guard seized control of Shelby Park and Eagle Pass after Governor Greg Abbott deployed them to prevent border patrol agents from entering the area. Texas's message is clear. Border Patrol is part of the problem. Now, Texas National Guard also began using riot shields and put up concertina wire, which Border Patrol agents have cut down in the past. So in response, the Biden administration is, of course, throwing a fit. They submitted a new court filing to the Supreme Court, blasting the Lone Star State. Texas' new actions, DHS said, presumably with a straight face, Demonstrate an escalation of the state's measures to block Border Patrol's ability to patrol or to even surveil the border and be in a position to respond to emergencies. Now, the migrant invasion is part of the left's ultimate scheme to turn illegals into voters and thereby turn Texas blue, which would establish perpetual political control for Democrats. Republicans would likely never win the White House again. So it should come as no surprise that on Saturday, details of a developing Amnesty Senate border deal were leaked by the Immigration Accountability Project. As reported by Fox News, the deal would allegedly include setting an allowance of 5,000 migrant crossings per day into the U.S., it would grant work permits to the adult children of H-1B visa holders, and it would automatically grant work permits to undocumented migrants as soon as they are released from custody. Again, this should come as no surprise. Democrats like Dick Durbin have already suggested that we let illegals even into the U.S. military. Nevertheless, some Republicans are already saying the deal is a non-starter. Florida Congressman Matt Gaetz called the bill a nightmare. House Speaker Mike Johnson said, absolutely not. And Georgia's Marjorie Taylor Greene called the deal border surrender. The migrant invasion has been difficult on communities across the country, not just those in Texas. The virtue signaling thunderheads in Chicago, Boston and New York are learning the hard difference between rhetoric and reality. A point Texas has helped drive home with its nonstop busing of illegals to these self-proclaimed sanctuary cities. Interestingly, in Brunswick, Maine, the leaders there have decided to allocate 60 new apartment buildings for migrants. Taxpayers will flip the bill for two years rent. Here's more on that. Dozens of people showed up this morning to the grand opening of new
0: apartments at the Brunswick Landing. These units were built specifically to house asylum seekers as they wait to receive their work permits, which can take months. There will be 60 apartments total here serving this purpose. 24 of them are ready now. State government
1: will essentially pay the rent for two years. After that, the buildings will convert to market rate and affordable housing units. Some asylum seekers have already moved in and say this option of
0: transitional housing is much better than living in a hotel or at a shelter.
2: In hotels, uh, there's rules and regulations. And uh, in a shelter, too, we have so many people. We share kitchen together. We share the uh, restroom
0: together. This is a very unique solution to a very exciting opportunity in our state. We have thousands of folks coming to Maine who want to make Maine home. We're doing everything we can to uh, help that situation.
1: Joining me to discuss today's stories is executive senior editor of the New American Magazine, Steve Bonta. Hi, Steve. Hello, Paul. How are you? Uh, well, I'm well. Uh, the situation here is pretty tragic in, in all respects. You had mentioned how that footage shows these migrants trying to get through that wire. And, you know, that's tragic in its own I'm
2: wondering, though, if, if the cold weather right now is causing them to have second thoughts. I'll <laughs> you know, see all those people from presumably from Haiti and from sub-Saharan Africa dressed up, you know, bundled up against yeah. the main winter. Of course, now we have sub-zero temperatures here in Wisconsin. And, and, that, 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 but I digress. It's pr- that's not the significant, the significant issue. The significant issue is that we have ongoing the greatest act of national betrayal. In American history, I hesitate to use the word treason because it's rather narrowly defined in the Constitution. So we, 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 let's not indulge in hyperbolic rhetoric. Mm. But it is it is absolute, abject betrayal. It is being done deliberately. It is being done with malice aforethought. It is being engineered by the Democrat. And of course, it's very clear they're happy to to set forth now a new deal in which they get everything they want. Which yes, is a, 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 this was the plan all along. They want now legislative imprimatur of this this lawless behavior okay so they're saying in effect that the days of legal immigration are done we are ending all restrictions people simply have to go down and wait in line and 5,000 people a day can simply troop into the United States yeah and this will all be done with the full now with, with the full compliance of Congress if it passes the barrier separating us from that reality, where the America ceases to be by all, um, for for all intents and purposes, certainly de jure, an independent country is very thin indeed. We have a very tiny majority of Republicans. Thankfully, it would appear that uh, the non-freedom caucus portion of Republicans are also sufficiently outraged that they're going to stand there. it it's it's now really obvious what is happening. Of course, they used this play once before it was far less blatant, but the mass amnesty under the Reagan administration, after years and years and years of Democrat facilitated illegal immigration primarily into California, successfully transformed that state yeah. from a red state that used to elect Republican governors like Ronald Reagan. Um, and into a blue state where people look at it now and say, well, you know, it might as well be a foreign country. It might as well be part of China. It has literally nothing to do with the rest of the United States politically. It's a one-party state. It's a one-party state. It's diverged completely culturally, Mm -hmm. legislatively, constitutionally, fiscally. It, it, you know, uh, oh, well, not fiscally. It continues to demand, you know, lots and lots of taxpayer subsidies from the rest of the country. But people are fleeing California in droves, people with any sense, frankly. And it's a pity because California, once upon a time, was one of America's... It's a beautiful state, It's great a beautiful state. It was a great success story. It was a place where yeah. people up and coming who wanted to succeed went. That is no longer the case. Yeah. Now, of course, that state is Texas. So, correspondingly, the left have changed their focus, having destroyed California as as, as the obstacle it once was to the d- designs of the radical left and transforming it into a tool to advance their purposes. They're now doing the same thing on a much larger and more egregious scale in Texas
1: I want to go to the border patrol element here as we know as I mentioned in the beginning there I've known border patrol agents and as far as I know the ones I've known and as as we hear about these are most of them are good patriotic people obviously unfortunately they've been demoralized and they have to abide by the rules of an administration that is anti-american so I feel for them. You know, I want to kind of make up for there at the beginning. I don't think they were personally the problem, but obviously Texas sees them as the problem because they get the the.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, when I when I used to live in Southern Arizona, I spent a lot of time hiking in the border ranges, and, and I'd run into the you know the border control agents, and I always made a point of thanking them for their service yeah. and being nice to them and so forth. Didn't necessarily like the fact that they have checkpoints set up fifty miles inside the U.S., but again, the, you know, but but generally they were good guys. Yeah, they worked hard, they did their best. Yeah, yeah under, I mean, under even then very adverse circumstances, I can't even imagine what, what would be they're like dealing with now. now. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. Sure. I also watched. Uh, I was doing some woodworking, or whatever, and I watched the Mayorkas impeachment hearing, mm-hmm. and it's just incredible to see that the the GOP is still operating as if um, as if there isn't a subversive administration in charge. They're still trying to play by the rules. Meanwhile, they're May- in denial. they yeah. Some of them might imagine they're complicit, but like I said, it was painful. it was four hours. I didn't I don't know. I've, I've, I listened to most of it and you can tell by the way that they're approaching this, they have no idea what's going on. We are under a coup in some way and they' are still going on with rules as usual. So we'll see we'll see how this pans out. Hopefully they wake up. Next up, another military conflict has ignited in the world this time in Yemen.
0: In 1988, the John Birch Society produced a documentary so predictive, it's as though they had a time machine. Out of Control, Immigration Invasion was produced and hosted by investigative reporter William F. Jasper and looks at the growing problem of unrestricted illegal immigration that, in 1988, already saw upwards of 10 to 20 million illegal aliens within the borders of the US. Unknown agents from around the world using the southern border as easy entry. Certainly some are innocent families escaping hardship, but also certainly some are criminals, potentially terrorists. Is it not appropriate that there be some criteria for the entry of any sovereign nation? Why should the U.S. be different than Canada, Germany, Russia, Japan, or every other country on the planet? Out of control, immigration invasion. Watch this time capsule of prescient wisdom at the slash out of control.
1: Folks, for more non-propaganda news and in-depth analysis from The New American Magazine, make sure you have a subscription to our twice monthly print edition of The Magazine. The New American Magazine has been telling the truth and accurately projecting policy and cultural trends since 1985. We are the official magazine of the John Birch Society, which was founded in 1958 to stop the new world order. No other magazine has been as accurate and for as long about where policy and culture were heading than The New American. You get a subscription online at thenewamerican.com. Just hit the magazine tab on top and then hit subscribe on the drop down. If you prefer, you can call for a subscription. 1-800-727-8783, Monday through Friday from 8 to 5 Central Time. That's 800-727-8783. On Friday, U.S.-led forces struck multiple targets in Yemen. The targets were suspected Yemeni Houthi bases. That the strikes were a response to the Houthi drone and missile attacks against commercial and military ships in the Red Sea. Houthi leaders claimed that the US led attacks killed at least five people and wounded six. In Yemen, massive crowds filled the streets to protest the strikes. The Houthis have promised revenge and a continuation of the attacks on Red Sea shipping that they began last November. They launched these attacks to show their solidarity with Palestinians and to pressure Israel to end its attacks on Gaza. Meanwhile, in the U.S., Joe Biden's decision to launch military strikes against the Houthis is being compared to President Thomas Jefferson's actions against the Barbary Pirates. Listen to these illustrative headlines. Counterpunch reports, Yemen's Houthis become today's Red Sea version of the Barbary Pirates. And from the Washington Examiner, the U.S. must uphold freedom of navigation. Other stories from conservative and liberal sources make similar points. But should Biden be praised for launching the strikes against the Houthis? And is his action comparable to Thomas Jefferson's against the Barbary Pirates? Here's what John Birch Society constitutional scholar Joe Wolverton said in an article he wrote for the New American over the weekend. Wolverton wrote, quote, in green lighting, the launching of missile strikes against the Houthis, Joe Biden acted unilaterally without regard to recourse to or respect for Congress people's representatives and the branch of the federal government granted exclusive authority to wage war in the name of the United States. Before Jefferson's presidency, Congress enacted naval laws granting authorization for ships to protect our commerce and chastise their insolence by sinking, burning, or destroying their ships and vessels wherever you shall find them. Jefferson, utilizing the powers conferred by Congress, remained committed to manifesting America's resolve in these matters. Nevertheless, he maintained that he was unauthorized by the Constitution without the sanction of Congress to go beyond the line of defense. End quote. All right, Steve. So things have escalated since they initially escalated on Friday. Haven't they there?
2: Well, they have. And and, and little known fun fact, there is yet. on. on so that's that's on one side, the, the 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 northern slash eastern side of the lower Red Sea. The Red Sea is this long spindle shaped sea that in effect you know sh- ships enter via the Suez Canal at the north and then follow along the sea it parallels the you know the western side of the Arabian Peninsula and then they exit mm-hmm. at the strait at the bottom uh, where the country little country of Djibouti is located well just be just north of Djibouti there's a country called Eritrea which is very young country it was created out of Ethiopia in response to the devastating wars and famines of the 1980s and 1990s it's a very a very young country but when it was created it denied Ethiopia a port so Ethiopia is now a totally landlocked country and they are preparing to apparently to invade and reconquer Eritrea in a similar manner to what you know Putin did in Ukraine and what Xi Jinping is contemplating doing with Taiwan and so forth. It's the old irredentist argument. They used to belong to us, so we're going to invade because we're bigger and We're going to get them back. Yeah, and so, so it is quite possible that sometime this year we will have wars on both sides of the Red Sea. Now, as to the point regarding Jefferson and the Barbary pirates, modern-day U.S. presidents, whenever they launch another bombing raid on some country, be it the Houthis or whoever it happens to be, always invoke the National Security Act of, I think, 1975, which in effect gives the president open-ended, and it has to be reauthorized from time to time. Of course, Congress is happy to do this. There are plenty of, you know, executive branch lickspittles in Congress, be they Democrats or Republicans, who want the, Repub- the, the president to have the quote-unquote flexibility to act without waiting for sanction from congress okay now the reasoning behind this is that while well, we live in a modern age where waiting for a congressional de- declaration of war when there're incoming you know soviet missiles or whatever the case may be is just not a practicality so this security act authorizes the president to take military action of this sort as long as he delivers a report to congress within i believe 60 days okay so obviously from that time forth presidents have made abundant use of this yeah. not in defense of say America against incoming Soviet missiles, or some other bona fide national crisis, but in order to, to to bomb the, you know what out of all kinds of small countries, you know the former Yugoslavia, um, Panama, and so forth, and now the Houthis is is, is the latest. Does,
1: does that fit in this? Because the Houthis, as I understand it, is they kind of started it. I mean, some would say, well, they, "Wow, it's our involvement in Israel." That's really what triggered. Right, and that's
2: a separate issue, of course. The issue then becomes: Does the United States have any reasonable authority? to defend its own shipping. And there have been attacks on US ships sailing international right. waters by these people. The Houthis are not good guys. And of course they are probably right now the most active surrogate of the Iran. Iranians. Yes. So as of this weekend, I, I I think we can say accurately that we are now involved in a proxy war with Russia. Iran. In in Ukraine and now we're and, and we've added to that tale a proxy war with Iran as well via the Houthis. The question is whether this year or sometime in the near future, either or both of those proxy wars Are will turn into a non-proxy war, a face-to-face war. And also whether other proxy wars will ensue with the likes of China. And I mentioned, of course, the possibility of Ethiopia creating mm. a large regional, regional war in, in the Horn of Africa. So, yeah. yeah.
1: So um, should the, the U.S. – I want to go back to that. Should they? Should we be policing that, that route there be- because uh, I, I think that's kind of what what's at the heart of this, right? I mean of all the actions, all the military actions, it seems like this one may be the closest one to being legitimate.
2: Well, yeah, I agree and and this and it's not an easy cut and dried answer. Number one, the fact that we live in a world with modern weapons like hypersonic missiles and ICBMs and all this sort of thing does sort of change the calculus. And so it does appear that, that probably we do need to have some sort of formalized presidential power to act in a case of extreme exigence where there simply isn't time for congress to convene and and declare war mm. per the constitution that said those circumstances are exceedingly rare and congress should revive the war making power now as far the war making authority that it enjoys under the constitution and was never taken away it's just sort of been allowed to languish for a variety of pretexts that we don't have time to go into now as far as defending things like shipping lanes this is one of the problems with being engaged internationally i don't mean in an illegitimate way we've always been a country with embassies all over the world yeah in fact our first friendship treaty was with a muslim country with morocco in response to the the, the, the problems of moroccan piracy at the time and it ceased immediately as a result of our treaty but but the barbary states to the east of Morocco continued, and they were preying on U.S. ships, European ships. They were capturing them, taking the crews hostage. And and this is a real problem. Does the U.S. military have a legitimate interest in defending U.S. citizens abroad? So if there's a U.S. flagship or a U.S. Navy ship sailing through the Red Sea and it's attacked by these people, I would think we do have at least a limited casus belli against the aggressors. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean, well, we need to invade them, stamp this out, conduct another, you you know, another morass type of foreign war, you know, to get rid of the Houthis. Apparently, this is what the Yemenis want. The Houthis are the de facto power running the country. The insanity in Sana'a is not likely to end anytime soon.
1: It's no different than than Hamas running Gaza,
2: is it? But, yeah, but I mean, but the idea that, well, all we could do is defend our own shores presupposes, well, we better bring home all of our embassies, not just the military bases overseas. I I would Mm. agree with much much of that. But close all our embassies, you know, tell all travelers and people going abroad, well, you do so at your own risk because we're not going to defend you. That's probably a bridge too far. It certainly was even in the era of Thomas Jefferson, who was certainly no interventionist.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, things are, you know, that kind of plays to when the left says that the Constitution is outdated. I'm not saying that you're saying the Constitution is outdated, but are there are there changes or is how, how do we get around this?
2: Well, I, again, I think I, I think, you know, some sort of a I think there's already clear authorization for, for mm. an emergency action on the part of the president in the Constitution yeah. in the event of a, of a war and Congress doesn't have time to act. Thanks, Steve. Yeah.
1: After this, what's next for Taiwan now that they've elected a president the Chinese don't like?
3: Sophia paused before the door. It read Department of Bi-Digital Convergence. Just inside was a new world, a better world, the one of everlasting life, of no pain, of no loss, of no problem. She entered the chamber, and her surroundings changed. She saw around her an infinite field of waving golden grain surmounted by cloudless blue sky. The AI voice whispered gently in her mind, Welcome to the Singularity. She couldn't see it and couldn't feel it, but her body had almost instantly been covered by a swarm of tiny gray multi-legged bots that melted through her clothes and into her skin. Not perceiving the nightmare, her eyes had already been consumed and the rest of her body was dissolving as the bots digested her flesh. She felt only a warmth suffusing her being. Drowsy, she drifted to sleep, and her last thought was one of panic. Would she ever wake? Could a nightmare vision like this be an outcome of the much-hyped transhumanist technological singularity? Enter the world of the future as illuminated by the experience of the past and endgame. The new book by Dennis Barrett, the publisher of The New American Magazine, and find out how the disastrous COVID pandemic response fits with the technocratic elite's thirst to create a transhumanist utopia. Get Endgame from shopjbs.org with free shipping with code ENDSHIP, E-N-D-S-H-I-P. Or get Endgame and the Great Reset Collector's issue of The New American Magazine and get free shipping plus an additional 20% off both with code N20, two zero.
1: The New American has just released our latest bookazine, a collection of articles on self-reliance. It's called Self-Reliance: Foundation of Freedom. Without individual responsibility and without the ability to take care of ourselves without government help, we cannot be free. In this polished collector's edition, we have articles on a number of important topics, including the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearm self-reliance, building a wood shack, and the importance of community, among many other topics. Now, the authors of the articles are experts in their fields. We encourage you to get a copy. You can order your copy at thenewamerican.com forward slash shop, or you can call our office at 800-727-8783. However you do it, make sure you get your copy of Self-Reliance, The Foundation of Freedom. Michael Lai, the presidential candidate for Taiwan's ruling Democratic Progressive Party, won the January 13 election. This is the first time that any political party in Taiwan has won a third consecutive term. However, Lai only captured 40 percent of the vote in a three-way race, and the DPP lost control of parliament. Taiwan will have a divided government. China had portrayed the election as a choice between war and peace. Lai's running mate was Taiwan's envoy to the U.S., Beijing hates Lai and his running mate because they advocate for Taiwan's sovereignty and right to self-determination. Following his victory, Lai said he was determined to safeguard Taiwan from continuing threat intimidation from China. and He said he plans to maintain the present status quo in the Taiwan Strait. He also said his administration will use dialogue to replace confrontation and its diplomacy with Beijing. Lai said this in a victory speech, quote, I want to thank the Taiwanese people for writing a new chapter in our democracy. We are telling the international community that between democracy and authoritarianism, we will stand on the side of democracy, end quote. China, who was mad about the outcome, reiterated that there is only one China. And this is in lockstep with the Biden administration. On Saturday, Biden was asked about his reaction to the Taiwan election results. And Biden said, we do not support Taiwan independence. Steve I find that interesting because was it a couple months back when she she was in San Francisco Biden said something that was true and that is that she is a dictator so why does he not support independence from a dictator
2: well it's a complicated story and I'm not sure we have time where it would be you know judicious to go into it in detail but suffice it to say back in the late 60s through early 70s there was a movement in the world to shift away from rec- recognizing the independence and legitimacy of the Republic of China, which is the official name of the, the regime in Taiwan, okay, and to shift over to Communist China or Red China, as, as it was then popularly known, particularly in the United States. But the condition that was laid down by Red China, the China of Mao Zedong and his su- successor Deng Xiaoping, was if you, re- if you recognize us, that'll entitle you to travel and trade and diplomatic relations and all that. The, the goodies that go with that, the possibility of investing in, in China and making money and so forth. But you have to renounce Taiwan. You have to say you 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 can't have relations mm. with both regimes. Okay? So most countries, seeing you know dollar signs flashing between their eyes, ka ching ka ching, decide, oh well yeah I guess you know freedom is not that important. Yeah. So so they all including the United States shifted over to recognizing uh, China. But they've maintained this bizarre fiction. Uh, ever since, in the decades since that, well, Taiwan is a de facto country, but it's not a de jure country, and so we're going to send informal emissaries and maintain relations with Taiwan. Speaking now for the United States and all the other countries that, that trade with Taiwan, but we're not going to actually call it a country, and we're not going to make we're going to make sure there are no high level visits and things of this nay. All this this weird. And Taiwan, for its part, sends uh, you know sends representatives. To places like the United States. In fact, the the vice president, the, the vice president to be, uh, Michael Lai's running mate, was a long time was Taiwan's long time emissary to yes. the United States, the the de facto, if not de jure, ambassador to the United yes. States. So this weird <coughs> fiction has been played out for decades. What's happening now is that Xi Jinping, who became dictator of China more than twelve years ago, said, "We're going to dispense with the fiction. We're not going to even pretend that yeah. this is." Taiwan belongs to us we intend to invade and conquer it by force if necessary we don't care about what the rest of the world thinks uh, we care what the Communist Party thinks we have unfinished business from the you know the, the, the communist revolution the Civil War in mm. China which culminated in, in 1949 okay and uh, he's be- become increasingly stark and so a- a- but at the same time he's been offering carrots and sticks And gradually, the remaining countries that that persisted in recognizing Taiwan have been going over to China for the the investment, because China says, if you recognize us, we're going to send a whole bunch of engineers to your country. We're going to get you into the Belt and Road Initiative. We're going to start building bridges and dams. And this has ended up being too much for the likes of Honduras to resist. Honduras was was one of the last holdouts in latin america i think the only two remaining are guatemala apparently
1: it's too much for us to resist well
2: well, leaving aside us and in fact on the day after the two days after the election the tiny pacific island nation of nauru announced that it was switching over to the dark side that it was that was so so taiwan is down to like 10 or 11 countries left of which the largest is paraguay Mm. that 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 still stand on principle and recognize them instead of china
1: it sucks that we're not part of that So that's,
2: that's a very quick encapsulation of this 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 strange history
1: what do you see coming up now is as China going to make a move or Is there any indication I know we've been talking about this we actually talked about this Friday as well but we were waiting to see the results of the election here
2: well I mean I people always like to hedge on China but I would say on balance war is more likely than peace at this point now on the peace side China has begun purging its military yet again. That's the second time in, in, in the last year and a half or so. That Xi Jinping has embarked on an all-out purge. He started right after the first of the year. He's been cashiering and disappearing top generals. and So, so there's, a, there's a state of fear in the Chinese military right now. Uh, but he clearly is doing this for some, for some reason. He's concerned that the guys with guns are ultimately going to move to depose him. They represent the one remaining threat. If a war were to break out, if she, meaning if Xi Jinping were to say the word, it would require him to appoint the equivalent of a, of a, a, a you know, a, a, a unifying joint chief of staff who, you know, kind of a top general to unify all of China's different forces in what would doubtless become a conflict against the U.S. and Japan and and so forth over Taiwan. So he is cognizant of this. But on the other hand, his economy is circling the drain. Yeah. He has apparently made incredible numbers of powerful enemies in, inside the Communist Party. Is that what? That's not. A uh, so his so purge? his regime. Well, the rumor is that last year so he did some very strange things. Last year he canceled appearances at major international events and stayed in China. And the rumor was that there was actually a plot afoot to shoot down his presidential plane after one of these trips as he reentered China Chinese airspace and yeah. all this kind of thing. No one really knows. But there are a lot. You know, all is something rotten is is rotten in the state of of, of the of Denmark. And and no one out no one really knows what's going on. So he may have little choice if he intends to safeguard his regime and ensure his literal survival, yeah. not just his political survival, to start a war. He does have options. A lot has been made, including on the show of the fact that you know invading Taiwan would be a formidable task. And it would, if you're talking about the main island. But there are outlier islands. There's a whole string of them, Kamoi, Matsu and so forth, along the coast. There is the Penghu or Pescadores Islands in the middle of the Strait. Uh, there's a, um, Pri- a Pratas Island in the South China Sea, not far from Hong Kong, which is garrisoned by Taiwan. Mm-hmm. All of these, I think, you know, if you look at them, are a possibility. He could seize them and basically start wresting outlying territory from Taiwan. Even Orchid Island off Taiwan's southeast coast yeah. might, might, not, might be difficult to defend. And, and then and say, in effect, to his people, oh, look, well, we haven't got the main island yet, but we've taken some of their territory. You know, we've absorbed these and it's only a matter of time because now we're going to garrison them. And then we're going to just island hop until we have the main island surrounded. What, what was so a- there, there is there is a military solution to it, technically. And I would not be surprised if they acted on it this calendar. Year. Was
1: his other plan, was she's other plan to have a puppet? install this president that he can then work and have something a more peaceful fluid transition of Taiwan back into China officially was that kind
2: of well I think that's been the the hope for a long time and prior to Xi's arrival as dictator there was there, there was a thawing of relations between Taiwan and the mainland because the perception in Taiwan was well hey maybe they're going to get capitalism and become free and so forth when she became elected it was clear that that was a vain hope yeah well thank you Steve for that
1: analysis. After this, we're going to discuss some good news, some action-related news that's coming out of Tennessee.
3: Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The Declaration of Independence proclaims God-given rights, and we intend
1: to protect them. Working with people like you, for over 50 years. Preserving freedom and building a better tomorrow. Safeguarding the Constitution by limiting government power. We are restoring liberties, educating voters, and leading the freedom movement. Join with us. United, we will defend
0: our rights. We are all Americans. We are the John Birch Society.
1: Volunteer state has enacted legislation banning state and local involvement in Agenda 2030. The New American reported that SB 1147 is now law. This is proof that we can win. We're going to bring John Birch Society researcher Peter Rykowski in to talk about what happened in Tennessee and how those of you in other states can get something like this accomplished there. Welcome, Peter.
4: It's Great to be on, Paul, as always.
1: Yeah, so this is certainly good news. Um, This was legislation that was passed through last year, and now it is law. Uh, With everything that's going on, we sometimes lose track of these positive developments. Uh, We've tried to keep up with what's happening in various corn belts. There have been some positive stuff there. But let's talk about this, because, I mean, this is great. Agenda 2030 is a major, major, major tool that they use to essentially destroy our sovereignty, our liberty, and our ability to basically uh, take care of ourselves. So how did this come about?
4: Yeah, so this bill, Tennessee enacted last year, as you mentioned, and it's a really great bill. Uh, So what it does is it bans any state or local involvement in Agenda 2030, which the UN adopted in 2015, Agenda 21, Mm. which is the predecessor program from 1992, it also bans any proposal to implement the U.N.'s uh, zero emissions goal by 2050, as well as, quote, an- another international law or ancillary plan of action that contravenes the Constitution of the United States or the Constitution of this state. Yeah. So it's very broad, and it also bans the state or local governments from working with NGOs. Mm-hmm. So organizations like ICLEI, which promoted agenda 2030 and basically... Uh, get yeah. these government entities to implement this totalitarian plan without any yeah. public involvement. So it's a really strong bill, and it's great that it passed. Uh, I know I don't know the details, but I know that there were JBS members yeah. working behind the scenes to get this enacted. Yes, and they're... thankfully the legislator, uh, you know, listened and mm-hmm. actually got this passed into law. And the governor signed the bill, so it's really great to see. It's a really strong bill.
1: I. um over the weekend I was we were trying to get some of those folks on it's it's somewhat you know but I want to bring the, I'm glad that you brought that up because JBS members have been involved in this this is I think a prime example of what the actions that we encourage members and even supporters to take you know we have this action segment I think we're one of the few news shows that have a emphasis on action and the reason we do that is because it works this is a classic example of it working and it's 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 not sexy work right i mean what we ask folks to do is we ask folks to share information we ask folks to reach out to their legislators to uh... local and state and and uh... well state legislators and obviously their their local uh, officials as well and this is what comes about it it's it's a slow process a lot of the times but eventually they get it i mean we've seen from our notes here at JBS that there's are a lot of governors a lot of legislators even those who don't say it out loud who understand that agenda twenty thirty is a threat they understand that it threatens our national sovereignty so it's not it shouldn't be as hard as perhaps some may think it is because a lot
4: of legislators see what's happening it's why they got involved right yeah and and it and it's not only uh you know we see these bad things happening so agenda 2030 we see the climate change agenda mm-hmm. we see all this going on but it's really important to show people that there are solutions yeah you know there's more than just exposing the bad but actually getting solutions good things and yeah. act into law and this is an example of the american people pushing back against this this agenda actually doing something positive yeah not only to expose what's going on but to reverse the situation and to protect our constitutional rights.
1: Yeah, and I'd imagine there are other states in the same condition or status as Tennessee. That being, I, I'm sure it helped that I guess their their uh, their legislature is probably Republican, and obviously they have a of a Republican governor. But there's lots of states like that. So if you look at Tennessee, what do you think? Is it possible that other states could pull off the same and passing the same anti agenda 2030 legislation?
4: It certainly is. I mean, it's really a matter of uh, public citizens just going to their legislators uh, saying, hey, you know, agenda 2030 is a huge problem. You know, we're seeing it being implemented mm. in the U.S. We're seeing it implemented around the world. And, you know, we need you to enact laws to protect yeah. our property rights, to protect our other rights that are protected under the Constitution. Yeah, And now uh, citizens have this law and others to point to saying, hey, this was actually enacted in, in other states. Let's let's have it done in our state.
1: Do we have any, um, well, let me rephrase that. What legislative alerts do we have to help people in regard to this? I know we have state legislative alerts and we have federal. Um, is this where state legislative alerts would come in handy, or is there a federal legislative alert that's related to this as well?
4: We have actually both. So... We have a state legislative alert titled Outlaw Agenda 2030 Schemes. Mm-hmm. So for all state legislators in all 50 states uh, that anyone can easily use to encourage your state legislators to enact legislation similar to what was just done last year in Tennessee. And then at the federal level, we have our Get Us Out the United Nations oh, alert. yes. Because the United Nations is behind all this. Agenda 21 is, and, and, and Agenda 2030, they are U- United Nations plans And the U.N. is very actively pushing this. Yeah. And these NGOs that promote this upon local governments, state governments, they're working with the U.N. Yeah. So this bill in Tennessee recognizes this. Mm -hmm. And a big part to pushing it back against the agenda 2030 is getting Congress to pass legislation to get us out of the United Nations. We have a legislative alert for that. And all of that can be found at JBS.org. Forward slash alerts.
1: Yes, and you, or you, and even if you just go to jbs.org, you go to take action, and you'll see legislative alerts, uh, and, and you'll find them all there. A lot of this just comes down to educating. That was one of the main. If I, I don't know if it was, I would argue it was the main component of Robert Welch, which was the found, who was the founder of, of JBS. He had this saying: Education is our total strategy, and truth our only weapon. And that the whole idea was that if we could get people to understand what's truly going on, the schemes of the globalists and the conspiracy, as we have called it in the past, then we can get this legislation. We can get people to wake up. We can get entire states to push back. And once you have this, you know, a a whole host, you know, multiple states, now you have a really powerful movement when you have a lot of states in the United States saying this is not what we want. We want to be sovereign. Then you get a lot of traction because what the polls are showing, especially with climate change that most people there, it's not their primary concern at all. It's not even close. And so I think the popular sentiment is already on the side, our side It's just a matter
4: of organizing. Right. Yeah, exactly. So People are, are already waking up on so many different issues like the climate change, the U.N., Agenda 2030, election integrity. Yeah. But how do we get this yeah. um, awakening and actually apply it to, so we can actually change the laws that we have in place, get things like what happened in Tennessee done in other states? Yeah. And that's organization. It is. You know, if we have— People who are educated but unorganized, we're not going to accomplish as
1: much. Yeah, yeah, and and that's I, I would think. and Correct me if I'm wrong. I would think that's probably one of like our movement. One of our biggest problems is a lack of organization. The left is very organized, but you know when when Robert Welch started John Birch Society, that's another reason he started is because he realized we need organization. We are going to form a an organization uh, that is organized uh, because that's what's lacking. They're organized. They have a scheme. They have a plan. Meanwhile, we're all kind of like, everyone gets off on these tangents, Article 5, this and that. And meanwhile, they're accomplishing just because we're not necessarily organized and united. But the John Birch Society is. We've been doing this for 65 years. Now, you're also a chapter leader here in Appleton, so you know a little about
4: that, that as well, huh? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so organization is essential. And that's that, that, that. as you mentioned, that's why the John Birch Society exists, so then we can... Uh, actually accomplish change, restore and protect our U.S. Constitution and our liberties and in an effective way to push back against this agenda that seeks to destroy what the founding fathers built for us. Thank you, Peter Rykowski. And
1: thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another
4: episode of The New American Daily. Remember to visit thenewamerican.com for more
1: truth, finding news. And please join us again tomorrow for another episode.